You're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners where you learn the business side of running a group practice. I'm your host, Maureen Werbach. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is a practice management and EHR software that helps behavioral health professionals manage their practice with confidence and efficiency. I've been using Therapy Notes in my own group practice for about five or six years now, and they're hands down amazing. They've got a scheduling and to-do list that is so easy to look at, a notes template that is amazing and exactly what you need, billing that has accurate reports that you can use, credit card processing system, a client portal that's constantly being updated, security, and tech support that is amazing. You can call and actually talk to someone right away. If you're looking for an EHR that can give you everything you need to run your group practice smoothly, try Therapy Notes out by going to www.therapynotes.com forward slash the group practice exchange and you'll get two free months to try them out. Hey everyone, I'm super excited to be talking to Katie Lycom today. Um, Katie has is part of our membership community and she had posted that she had some questions around how to get her um, clinicians filled instead of herself and also she's got a niche group practice that she'll be talking about and she wants to talk about how she can um, see people outside in the community that might be outside of her direct niche area. So hi, Katie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I know before we uh, press record here, you were saying you're not feeling that great. So um, hopefully you'll be able to get through this okay. And I wish you luck and feeling better very quickly. Thank you. Yeah. So let's just jump right in here. Um, I know you have been posting a little bit about this. So where are you at in terms of struggles or a need for support when it comes to getting your clinicians filled rather than yourself. I know um, based off of what I've uh, read from things that you posted in the past, you're pretty well known in your community for your niche area. And so that can be a little bit difficult to sort of get those clients and the people in the community to start referring to the clinicians in your practice rather than yourself. So tell us a little bit about where that's where that is and where your struggles are and we'll go from there. Right. So I'm pretty well known in the community for having a niche with working with transgender clients and um, non-binary clients and people who are transitioning. Um, So that's where I am as far as how I'm known. But just starting um, last week, I have an answering service and I told my answering service just not to book appointments for me. Okay. So that's actually been pretty helpful, and most people have been just booking with my um, with my staff members. It seems it's a lot easier to convince people not to book with you when you're not the one answering the phones. Yeah, I was going to say that was my first, that would have been my first suggestion, is the moment that you cannot be the one answering the phone, um, VAs and, and people who answer the phone for you don't have that feeling of guilt or feel bad uh, to say no um, as much as we do when people are talking to us specifically wanting wanting to see us. So it's, that's definitely one of the biggest steps towards um, getting clients to be able to be seen with other therapists in your practice without um, them being overly pushy with wanting to see you. So that's great that you, you started that. How are... Um, when did you started this a couple weeks ago? You said or last week? Um, I well, I've had my answering service for a while, but okay. I started. Uh, I started, you know. Oh, just saying no. 
just saying no. Uh, okay. Have you seen any, have they come back to you and said that there've been any issues with that or has it, it sounds like it's going pretty smoothly. Have you checked in to see um, how many clients either didn't schedule because of that or moved on or have they said that there's been any issues at all with clients who were, you know, pushing a little harder or does it seem to be flowing pretty well? It seems to be flowing pretty well. That's awesome. So are you telling me that this issue has been fixed before we even got to it? Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So we're going to be focusing on the second piece, I'm assuming then. Yes. Yes. Okay. Awesome. T- talk about it and tell, tell the audience what's going on and where, where the issue is with this. So what's going on is when I started out, I had a solo practice and I made myself incredibly niched where I pretty much only work with the LGBTQ community. Um, so in my practice right now, we probably have around 75 clients, um, and all of them are either members of the LGBTQ community or parents of, or spouses or significant others. Um, there's some connection. Mm -hmm. Um, but I found that I've gotten myself to kind of a plateau with referrals and I'm wondering if I need to expand my, um, expand, not necessarily expand my niche, but be able to market my group practice as seeing people outside of the LGBTQ community so I can continue to expand my practice. So have you um, written a business plan at all? I have not written a formal business plan. Yeah. Um, I would wonder because you obviously can go one of both of those ways. And for me, it, it comes down to you can definitely make it work as a niche group practice where the LGBTQ community is what your practice is branded as seeing and all your clinicians would be seeing those clients as well. Um, Or you can obviously just have yourself, like I have my niche, but my group practice is multi-specialty and um, uh, it's clinicians. We have have clinicians that see kids, some that see couples, some that do adult work, some EMDR, dance and movement therapy. So um, there's a, obviously you can go one of one of both of those ways. My question is for you to think beyond the where you're at in the immediate sense of uh, the referrals plateauing, and look at what would happen if you had all the referrals coming in and referrals wasn't an issue. How are you seeing? How would you be seeing your group practice? I guess my concern would be to make a decision of expanding beyond what you've already done, and you've you know really. Got gotten yourself known uh, in the community to be an expert with that population. Um, when you look at what your ideal group practice looks like and it's flowing the way you want it to and it's looking how you want, does it look multi-specialty? Do you have clinicians? Is that what you're envisioning? Is that what you're seeing? Because I'd rather um, help you and work with you on um, figuring out how to uh, expand your practice as a niche if that's what you're seeing for the future versus trying to temporarily you know allow um, other populations in um, if that's not part of your larger plan so I guess look let's talk about your larger plan if you have not already thought about it um, try to take away the concern of the plateau and look one year into the future and kind of what's the first thing that you're, you're seeing in your group practice when you see all your clinicians and full caseloads and all that? What is, what's going on over there? So if I look just one year in my future, I see, I see a practice that is still 
kind of niched into, um, uh, I'm trying to use the best word here and I can't find a good word. Um, kind of less frequent, um, lifestyles, like people who, um, like I'm a secular therapist, so I'd like to expand on that, maybe expand more into the, um, sexual, sexual relationship structure minorities, Okay, uh, just kind of, um, maybe not just LGBTQ, but also more, um, kind of, I guess, alternative, funky, um, more modern lifestyles. Okay. Okay. So that expands a little bit beyond your immediate niche. Um, but it's still pretty niche in, in some ways, right? It's just a, a little, maybe a little bit broader than what your, uh, your population in your niche is right now. But are you, when you're looking at a, a year ahead, and I'm just using an arbitrary for one year, um, do you see your future clinicians um, seeing kids or working with uh, straight individuals who are married and not living uh, that, uh, an alternative like lifestyle like you mentioned are you is that are you seeing that or no um, I, can, I can see my I can see my practicing straight individuals I can okay. see that um, yeah. I can't see the practicing kids um, not kids always, okay yeah I've always said that just even by the simple way that I've decorated the practice yeah um, I you know it's it's really appropriate for preteens and above okay so my it sounds like you do you have room to to move a little bit then in your practice based off of what you're what you're envisioning for the future. And I think that's the, that's the first step is figuring that out because it's really easy to start looking at hiring uh, clinicians and um, end up hiring people that maybe are outside of the niche area or areas that you're actually wanting your group practice to go in. And it always seems like, especially in the beginning when you're smaller, it's not that huge of a deal if you hire one person that's kind of outside of what you're wanting your group practice to look like because it's just one person. And then all of a sudden, the whole dynamic of your practice and how the community sees your practice completely changes. So um, what I'm hearing from you is that you want to stay within your niche, but that the niche is maybe a little bit broader than what you're currently seeing, but that there's still sort of a, a, a broader niche um, within that community, correct? Yeah, that's okay. correct. Like, for instance, I hired my my most recent hire who starts the twenty second. Um, she's um, she works with the LGBTQ community. She has experience, but she's also really interested in working with veterans. Okay, so so she she fits my niche, but she's also um, has some other outside interests that can could could expand the practice. And that you're and that sounds fine to you. Yeah, that's okay. Fine. Perfect. So, um, I haven't looked at your website, but what does your website look like in terms of how your services are structured? Do you have like separate pages, or is it right now uh, I one? Do. I do. I have separate pages. Um, I have a page for um, the transgender non-binary community. I have a page for the LGBTQ community. I have a page okay. for anxiety, depression, teens, and video counseling. Oh, perfect. Okay. So it sounds like you're actually taking the right steps to being able to broaden your niche area for your group a little bit. 
um, my initial suggestion would be if you are going to be hiring people that, let's say, work with the military or are doing things that are outside of what you uh, your practice already has as your scope, is that um, I know you've mentioned that your website is important, right? Wasn't that in one of a yeah. more recent posts? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, is to have separate pages for each of those things as you're hiring um, as you're hiring clinicians. Because one of the things that I notice is that when you have a niche practice or when the community knows you for a certain population or seeing certain certain types of clients, that um, it tends to be a little bit harder in the beginning to broaden that um, and and kind of let that community know like, hey, we're not just here for X, Y, or Z. We're also here for A, B, and C now as well. And one of those first steps is um, that's sort of the easiest first step is um, adding those pages on your website as they come along because you can do things like if you do AdWords, which I know you do, and you actually have a company like that, which is great, um, that you can then target to that those pages specifically and get a little bit more traction and obviously increase your um, SEO and ranking for those specific pages. Um, right. But it also then makes it easier when you're um, when you're uh, you know marketing even locally um, for for those specific services. The way that I do it because I am I have a multi specialty practice and um, it, it kind of is similar to how you're mentioning this beginning part with this one person who works with the LGBT community but also has this specialty in working with military um, and, and that's kind of the route that I went is that as I hired people. They each had kind of this, you know, offshoot, um, uh, you know, I hired them for, let's say, like to do couples work because it's a lot of what we do, but they, they would have this offshoot of um, having their EMD being certified in EMDR and um, then being like, okay, we're going to, you know, I don't have any clients calling for EMDR because we're not known for EMDR. And so it'll be a whole new set of um, marketing strategies to get EMDR to be known with our practice as well. And so... Um, it's almost like when you when you set your marketing strategies and you're uh, expanding what your services are to your to pop your populations or your neighborhood. Um, essentially, each specialty becomes its own marketing strategy in a way. Um, it's really hard to market your whole group practice and all of the services at once. So my suggestion would be to just um, focus on one of those things at a time. And how I do it is just based off of who I'm hiring. So. Um, when I hired that first EMDR therapist, now I have a few. When I hired that first one, I really focused. I kind of stopped with um, marketing what the community knew us for and um, only focused on the EMDR. So I was going to, um, you know, other uh, therapists in the community to let them know we were offering EMDR. I was letting psychiatrists know and IOPs and partials know. Um, And then eventually... It's like a snowball. I, I've used this analogy before, but it's kind of like a snowball effect. Once you start, and it might be a slower roll snowball, but um, it gets its own traction and then it starts to have its own um, role. And with time, it becomes a little bit easier to, um, to not have to market that thing. Um, and so I guess my long story short would be to start with um, just focusing on that individual that clinician and that specific specialty specialty that might be outside of what you're um, known for. If okay. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And that I don't, sense. do you have any, um, I know part of your post uh, initially with this was um, we you wrote, we're proud to work with gender identity and the LGBT community 
almost exclusively, um, but I would welcome uh, more more diversity in concerns and clients um, to be able to expand. So I guess, you know, part of the question is on marketing that, but one of my questions is, do you have an idea for what you're, where, how far you're wanting to expand and how you're going to use that to hire your next therapist? Because um, I guess there's a few ways you can do it. You can say, um, because each individual specialty does take a little bit of time and effort on your part. And you're, I don't know if you um, expect your clinicians to market themselves as well. If so, that obviously takes a little bit off of you. Um, but my, my suggestion would be to be careful in when you're hiring to not hire too quickly um, clinicians that have different specialties because that just puts more work on you. Um, and it might be... It might be a little bit easier to um, hire one or two people um, who have similar specialty areas so that when you're doing the work of marketing for that specialty, it's kind of doing double duty for both of those people. Yeah. 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 So in looking at the next um, year or so, are there specialties that you're looking specifically for in hiring? Um, Because I think that probably would be the easiest way to just, I don't know, make life easier for you when it comes to the time that you're going to be spending marketing. Yeah. So, um, just to answer a few of your questions, Mm -hmm. I'm locked into a space right now where for the next, um, five years where I need to grow to about six clinicians. Okay. Um, and, and that's kind of where I want to be in the long, long run. Um, and I would, I would like to hire somebody. I've been trying to hire someone with a specialty with, um, preteens and teenagers. Okay. Um, because, I think that there's a lot of overlap with um, exploring your identity in general when you're a preteen and teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's somebody I've been trying to look to hire is someone who's comfortable working with um, children or preteens and teenagers. Have um, you ever, um, and this might be something to, if you're not doing this now, but with your VA, um, one of the ways that I know what my next hire should be or needs to be, and obviously I'm, uh, I, I'm saying this with the larger idea of I know what I don't want in my practice, but um, looking at uh, having your VAs uh, have a running tab for you of types of calls that are coming in that you guys aren't able to fill, you might Mm -hmm. find that there's like a common thread that's coming along and it makes it a little bit easier because that just means that there's more of a need in your community for that thing, whatever it is. Um, And sometimes that helps me. Um, we have this this little spreadsheet that um, we write down the um, what we are referring out for the most, um, mm-hmm. and it it helps me know. Oh, there's a need in the community for that. Does it fit with my larger vision for my practice? If not, we keep referring out. If so, then I start looking for someone that has that specialty. It might be a, an easier way for you to be able to know what your next hire should be if it fits with your model. Um, because that means that you'll have to do a little bit less marketing for it because there's already calls coming in for that thing. I think, I think the issue is I've done so much marketing in my niche that now the only calls we get are for our niche. Yeah. So I mean, that's a good problem to have in in a way. We don't refer out. We rarely, I I can't remember the last time we referred out because literally everyone that calls us is for what we want them to call for. And who have you, uh, what did you do to get um, your referrals to refer to you for um, what you guys see? 
Um, I mean, it's just the way that I word my website, the way okay. that I word my Google ads. Um, I do, tr- I, I personally teach CUs in the community for um, LGBTQ mental health. So I just, um, you know, are set you, myself up. Are you as, telling me that one of your biggest referral sources is really your website and the Google ads and all that, everything digital? Yes. Essentially. So, I mean, what I'm hearing then is that you've, you've, got your system down for being known for something through the use of digital means, whether that's Mm -hmm. ads, website, all that kind of stuff. So um, my suggestion would be to continue that. You've obviously figured out with your wording, with how your website is, how to get people to find you and Mm -hmm. to call you. And so um, it's less of an issue that maybe some other people would have, which is they're not getting as many calls as they'd like at all. And so um, they need different marketing strategies. It sounds like your marketing strategy is actually working. And it just means you need to replicate that for the next thing that you want to offer or the next yeah. thing that your next therapist is going to offer. Definitely. Definitely. My only thing would be you that to just to make sure, because it can easily, this can easily happen, that you don't end up watering down what your business is um, and, and to make sure that each person that you're hiring and each service, new service that you're providing or new specialty that you're um, offering, that it doesn't water down what you've been known for unless you're wanting to become this multi-specialty and not super niche practice. But that's not what I'm hearing. Yeah, no. I mean, the conversation we had, um, the sentence that you asked me in the beginning about whether or not I wanted to you know, be a general practice or if I just wanted to expand has really got me thinking that, you know, I'd like to expand to LGBTQ couples or I'd like to expand teenagers. So kind of within the same niche, but I can see different avenues and different veins that I could go down. That, that clarifies. And I feel like that's this, that statement that you just said should be the statement that is in the back of your mind whenever you're making decisions from this point on um, about hiring and new services or offerings. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I said, it can be easy to um, find someone who's really great, but maybe doesn't work with the LGBT community and then but offers really good anxiety counseling. And I know that you said anxiety is one of your things on your list. It can be really easy, especially if you're having a hard time finding clinicians to say, okay, so it's just this one and she still works with anxiety. So, I mean, that is a specialty we have. So we'll, she'll, I'll, I'll hire her because she's a, you know, a real good therapist um, when it comes to working with anxiety, even though it doesn't sound like that person would, and I'm just making this person up right now, but that that person really fits your overall group practice, um, you know, brand. And, and, and I, I feel like that's kind of how you have to look at it is you want to make sure that all of those pieces, all those people, um, that all of that connects in some way that it weaves together in some way. And so that last thing you just said is, is the thing that I would keep in my head whenever I'm making these decisions. Um, and it sounds like, you've kind of got that figured out now, which is great. Yeah. yeah. I think this phone call really helped. Um, I, we have a few more minutes. Are there any yeah. other questions that you have um, that I either didn't answer or are an offshoot from kind of what we've been talking about? Um, I guess, well, when you said to make sure that the hires that I have, hiring has been kind of slow going for me because yeah. I'm kind of, well, I'm kind of picky in, but I'm picky in that 
I need somebody to be as LGBTQ affirming as I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's made the hiring process go a little bit slower for me. Yeah. And that's pretty typical of a niched group practice. Okay. Yeah. Um, like, you know, I've had interviews where I've just like been taken aback by some things I've yeah. heard. Mm-hmm. And and then I've had fantastic interviews that are, I'm just like, oh, yes, there's people like this in the community, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but... My- my sig- my the way I look at the hiring strategies, I'm multi-specialty, so it should be easier for me than it might be for you because um, we I ha- have people that work with just e- everything pretty much, and I still have a hard time too because I have a certain set of things that I expect in terms of um, fit, in terms of uh, years of having a degree, and ter- different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I have to say, if it's when you have a niched group practice, there is just, it's going to take a little bit longer, um, because, uh, you have a niche and not everyone is going to have that niche or be as knowledgeable in that niche as you want them to be. Um, I always say slow and steady wins the race when it comes to hiring, even though it's so hard. It's one of the hardest things is to wait around for the right fit therapist. It's so common for people to hire someone um, when they have a little bit of doubt even in them. I don't know how many people I've uh, talked to who have said, I, you know, I have this hire, I really like her. But then after something, after that person leaves or after they have to let them go, they're all able to spot even from the point of the um, interview uh, uh, red flags or yellow flags. I like to call them yellow flags because usually they're not these big glaring red flags, but like, hmm, you know, like a, a little seed in your head was put, you know, was put in there during the interview process, but you kind of waved it away. Um, and so with hiring strategy, I always say if you can go slow and steady, even if it's painful, and I know in your case, having grown into a larger space, there's a, a need for you to have some therapists to fill those spaces up and um, help cover those costs. Um, you've really built something special with your brand and in the community and something that's really important for the community. Um, and so taking that idea that it might take a little bit longer to make sure that you have that quality therapist, um, if you can just remember that it might make it a little bit easier because I, I know it is a annoying annoyingly long process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my thing is I, I feel like when I'm interviewing that it's easier for me to teach, it's easier for me to teach clinical skills than it is for me to teach somebody yes. to be affirming. Yes, exactly. Um, and those are the things you have to look at is, you know, what, what are the things that you're, you know, you can't expect perfection and it's very rare to find someone who, you know, checks all the boxes of what you need in a therapist. Um, and I like to look at, I call them the non-negotiables. What are the things that if they don't check that box, I just can't, even if they're amazing in these other ways, if they don't check boxes A through, you know, D, uh, then no matter how great the interview process was, I just can't take them. Um, knowing those things, like you said, the clinical skills is teachable. Um, and, and so that's not similar for me. I I feel like clinical skills are teachable, um, personality, culture fit, those things are, are not teachable or at least not something I'm willing to spend a, a lot of time teaching on. Um, and so those are part of my non-negotiables. And so if you know those, um, it can make the hiring process a little bit easier, even, but even if it does still take a while. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. So um, that's I'm really excited. Um, keep me posted on uh, your next couple of hires. You have one person, right? Uh, I, I have one person and then I'm hiring another person starts in a couple of weeks. Oh, awesome. Well, keep us posted on how those two hires go. And obviously in our, our little Facebook group, let me know if any more questions come up with regards to just um, the marketing aspect of uh, maybe some different offshoot uh, offshoots of the niche that you have. Um, I'd love to keep helping if I can. So keep me posted on that. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. it was good talking to you. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. We'll see you next time.